Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yes, yes, today, yes, yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one might be. There is a pause. Throughout the stadium, as this man sounds like he just coughed up a lung. Just looking around, the jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need? Uh, CPR or something And then at that particular time I lost it <laughs> Yes, yes, yes Today Phoenix is another place They got a great uh, training staff I mean they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq And you can do that you know, People talk a lot about their <laughs> training staff Yes, yes, today you know, as we start this show, this one mic. Yes, yes, today, as we start this show, this one mic. Yes, yes, welcome to the end of the year show with uh, one mic. This is going to be a doozy. You know, it, you know, it's, it's the early morning. Yeah, we flipped it on you. You know, if you're catching us live, we flipped it on you a little bit. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we want to stretch our feet a little bit here and, uh, get this thing rolling, and uh, you know now we're up and going, and uh, it's going to be a great show. Uh, we're going to be covering everything, man. You know we have this segment we've been doing. Uh, what what is beef? And uh, you know when we last we were on before we we, we talked about the, the uh, Jeff Fisher and Eric Dickerson saga, but now we got the Ryan brothers getting fired, and we got uh, Bradshaw throwing shade at Tomlin, and so. Uh, that's going to be a high section uh, for us. And in the cipher today, we're going to, you know, we got some some bowl games coming up, and uh, we, we're going to uh, uh, make some of our picks on some of these remaining bowl games and, and, and give you a sense of who we'll win uh, the, the the college bowl series, the national championship. Um, and so we're looking forward to that conversation. Um, we'll have a little bit of conversation about, um, you know, the the NBA and. You know the, the fact that uh, they were able to get the deal done, um, and uh, talk a little bit about that stuff. And then um, we got some good stuff going on here. We got we 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 ended the year and we went to watch, you know, our first annual Hanky. That Hanky, Hank will have his awards for the year. He'll lay it out. Uh, you know, it's going to be crazy. Everybody got their awards, but nothing will be like the Hanky. And we'll be dropping that for you for the first time here on RSG 
All calls are brought to you by our good friends over there at Carbon World Health, your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to CarbonWorldHealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about style medicine. Tell them that the Real Sports Guy sent you. And let me welcome to the air my good friend, my partner here on One Mic, Hank. What's up, man? Hey, D, how you doing, man? Belated Merry Christmas. You know, yeah. uh, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, just uh, all the good, good, all the good things that can happen going into 2017 for you and your family, man. You know, this is a time to reflect. You know, for me here in the state of Michigan, in southeast Michigan, in Ann Arbor town up the street, I'm telling you, the hype machine is on full blast. You know, it's almost like Christmas all over again around here. Just the anticipation, just waiting for kickoff this evening, you know, the official start for the bowl season for us anyway. But to all the listeners out there, I hope that you all had a very Merry Christmas. I hope you were able to enjoy your families and and friends and fellowship. You know, know, there's been a lot going on this year, D. We got a lot to cover. But, you know, it's a blessing to be here at almost year's end, to be able to reflect on some things, to be able to clown in the early morning with my big maize and blue mug full of coffee to really get ready to to hype it up and get it on. Yeah, I'm already getting the pictures back from folks down there in Miami. I was I was supposed to be down there. I know you and I were uh, supposed to get out of the way. We were where we're supposed to be. Um, but you yeah. can already see it. The machine is revving up down there. I'm seeing all this stuff. Everybody's getting hyped in all these other places, uh, these other big ball games with the, with the, um, um, you know, the semifinal game happening. Uh, just been a lot of good football here uh, this bowl season. You know, uh, you know, this end of the year is a time for reflection, man. As you said, and and try to figure out, you know, what the next year is going to do, and hope there's some blessings um, in the time we, you know, we've lost some heroes in sports and. In society, and um, you know, but you know, and, and we had this election, and, but we still got a lot of hope about, you know, we still looking for hope and change, and uh, right. and uh, whether it's in the sports world or or whatever. So, it, this is always a good time for me because it's time for me to take stock um, in where I am in life, and uh, really to to sit down and and and, and, uh, and appreciate those blessings, and and I extend it back to you, my brother you and your family, you know, I think both of us, you know, having those families and relationships and friends are very important. So for me to be able to do this show with you, man, as I call it, a big homie, uh, it's always good, man. It's always good. And we're going to have fun. This, and, and to do it early morning, you know, actually you got the coffee. I got the little bowl of uh, uh, fruit and some, some vegetables. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to get, trying to get the sexy back. In 2017, trying to figure out how to That's get, right. get it back down, you know. <laughs> you know, the Biggie Smalls look, I get rid of it. Hey, I hear you. I hear you. I'm trying to get back to the playing days, Margaret. Hey, that's, hey, hey we both are, you know. That's one thing I will <laughs> tell you, you know. People always talk about resolutions and everything, and they get to this time of the year. You know, it's time. To, it's time to put the game face back on. You know, it's t- yes. it, it, it's time to pull the cleats out the closet, dust them suckers off, and get back out mm-hmm. on the field. You know what? Let me tell That's you right. something. 
You know, it, it's holiday season. You know, I got plans, and then y'all gonna mess with my money. Uh, I'm sure you'll get the rest of his money, but but you get Ryan and fired. So we got the potion carousel happening, but you know they push Fisher out. I know you and I haven't really got a chance to go into it a lot, and, and people know where I stand on Fisher. When I talk about you know it's hard to be an NFL coach, I'm gonna say that. But but I, I, when you look at the number of years of losing seasons in a row that he was able to mm-hmm. oh without going to the playoffs, um, I mean where do the Rams go from here? You know is that is that is that a job that's going to be coveted? Um, I haven't looked at any recent reports, but, you know, what What was your opinion? What do you think the Rams need to do? Listen, we talked about this at length the last time we was on the air, and we, and we asked the same question. I think the Rams' uh, front office heard us. I think they heard us loud and clear because it, no, it, was, it was no sooner after we had that show he was gone. You know, you, the, the NFL is a results business. Okay, and how Jeff Fisher stayed in as long as he did was questionable. Um, you know, and so what I think the Rams messed up at was, in my opinion, they should have never let Jeff Fisher be their coach once they moved to Los Angeles. It was at that time they, sh- they should have made a move, tried to make a splash, tried to get them a young, uh, upcoming coach to be able to uh, grow this team or get a coach with a name for maybe a year or two to grow this team. You had John Gruden sitting right there, okay? You're going to Los Angeles. What you want, you, it, see, all you want to do is put names and stuff until you're able to build your team. But at least have you an established NFL coach that can sell tickets. They dropped the ball there. So now what they have to do, they got to start from scratch. They're in L.A. now. All the all the uh, luster is off the road, so now they got to start over. You know, my boy's name keep coming up, even though he done told him a million times he's not leaving Ann Arbor. You know, he done wrote a book that says, take this job and love it, the, the taking the University of Michigan job. So they need to leave him alone. They need to get them an established NFL coach or a college coach that wants to go to the NFL. Now, like I said, I, I mentioned John Gruden. That's kind of where they are right now if they're trying to sell tickets. But if they're trying to win football games, and John Gruden could probably make them a better team, okay, but he's not a mm-hmm. uh, long-term fix. But you guys go. But that's where they need to go to make themselves look like an NFL franchise in Los Angeles. Otherwise, it was just it was just a wasted move. And, and, and if you look at Gruden, I mean, man, he has a so good ESPN. Uh, and uh, I mean, John Gruden got the ultimate hustle. So I mean, he's the kind of cat. He, he he's in that power mode where. You know, he's going to keep making you feel like you want back to coach him, but he really, that couch is too good. You know, when when the office hours are set the way set and they give you the money, you like, and, and you never get an L on your record, you know, you can always be right. He gets to, he used to hang out with these college quarterbacks. Boy, but if I think if there's any job that would probably get him out of it, it would probably be L.A. because any yeah. sense of going in the right direction sets your legacy. Like it is. That's a glamour job. Okay, it's it's not like going to Cleveland. Okay, yeah. there's a lot of perks in, in 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 coaching in Los Angeles. And he and 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 let's don't forget he's a coach first. All right, he's a coach first. That's why he's he's with these these college kids and stuff because it still gives him an opportunity to coach. He still has the itch. Now, like I said, he's not going to be you no know, no long term 
coach with hardly any coach not named um, Bill Belichick is. So if he were just to come to just turn that ship around just for a little bit, then guess what? His ego is now, you know, that much higher, and he can always go back to ESPN. Now, the other one, a person that I think is would be great for TV and may just want to, you know, think about coaching for a while is Rex Ryan. I think Rex Ryan would be great in the studio. Um, yes. Uh, and and um, it's interesting because, you know, I have this theory about small markets like Buffalo and, and, and uh, you know, that, that you have to, similar to how the Pittsburgh is done, like is like identify your coach, build a good kind of philosophy and system, and stick with it. Mm-hmm. And if there was any place I thought Rex would be okay, I thought it was going to be in Buffalo, because you know he's he's going to have a year like he had this year, but he's going to get it to a point where it's going to at least be competitive. Will he win a Super Bowl? No, but all he's going to build, he's going to make some corrections. Um, and in a in a in a to me, like Buffalo, you know, uh, you know, what are your expectations? You know, you, you, know, um, you had Marv Levy. You're blessed to have Marv Levy. He gave you a great run. But outside of that, you didn't have all these great runs. And so, you know, you know, I was questioning, like, what do you think you were getting first? Uh, and then, you know, you saw the writing on the wall. So, you know, so does, does Rex get another job? Um, you know, uh, where do you think Rex goes? Because you know, I'm feeling that people are talking about college. I think Rex could be a great college coach if he wanted to. But I just think when you're coaching the pros, unless you've got that kind of in your blood, it's hard to make that move to college to get on the road. I, I thought it was a great transition for Lovey Smith because of his personality, kind of even kill. He can he can do that. I mean, I just think that but I wish Rex is that kind of guy. But where do you see Rex going from here? Well, first of all, Rex Ryan, the problem with Rex Ryan is uh, he's never had that franchise quarterback, okay? He never had a franchise quarterback. He had he had uh, Sanchez in, 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 uh, when, when he was with the Jets, and then he had just um, whoever you, you want to call as his quarterback. And, and, and the running quarterback, we, we, we've shown you're not 6'7", 255 pounds like a Cam Newton, and then he's been getting his bell rung. You've got to have you a quarterback. Buffalo has been having a quarterback carousel now, and he's only been there for two years. But that problem preceded Rex Ryan. The other thing that he has a problem with is that I know he loves his brother. That's his fraternal twin. But the man is not a good defensive coach. Okay, he's not a good defensive coordinator. Go back and look at when he was with Dallas. Go back and look at his other jobs when he played when he was defensive coordinator. His defenses, the defenses on those teams got worse. They got worse. So I know that's his brother, but you know if you saw a package deal, it's like he sucks, and you know, and I know that's your brother, so he got to go with you. So that's why you saw that. You know, it's just that the writing was on the wall, wall more for his brother than it was for him. Um, now, as far as where would his be his next destination, it all depends on what kind of program you want to run. Okay, now Rex Ryan is a ground and pound, but he needs a quarterback, so he's got to go somewhere to a team that uh, you know has got a, a, a decent foundation that can get it done. That that's that's talented. 
I can see him in Jacksonville personally. Okay, they've got some decent talent provided that he gets the right guy as a defensive coordinator. All right. They've got a quarterback in place that, that can get it done in Bortles. That would be a good fit for him. A lot of people wouldn't even think about that, but that would be a great fit for him. You know, outside of that, I don't see him at the college level. I think he's a little bit too brash. I can't see Rex Ryan, especially if you saw the hard knocks when he was with the Jets. I can't see mm-hmm. a Rex Ryan to a a, a, a a kid's house. You know, and and I can just see recruiters saying, "This is how he gonna talk to your kid. Is this what you want?" Other other schools doing that. I see him. You know, I'm like, "Oh hell no!" <laughs> and the thing about Rex, man. So this is where with the Jets. This is where I think he learned his lesson. Um, with the Jets, when he had Sanchez, he was so hyper defense that anytime they had a pick, you look at their time with the Jets. When they needed to invest in the offense, because the defense was already good, mm-hmm. every time they had a free agent, they didn't re- resign them. Look at the number of offensive free agents they did resign that helped them get mm-hmm. to where they needed to go. And so, but I think he was learning that lesson that he had to invest some in the offense. If you look at kind of what they, he tried to do in Buffalo, he realized that he had to be a more of a, a balanced coach. Um, because I think Sanchez gave him his best chance, but he had to help build Sanchez. And right. He didn't give he he didn't continue to give him the weapons around him. If you look at Sanchez's last year or two, I mean, if you look at when he made the AFC run and look at the players he was playing with, and then look at the group that he played with uh, at towards the end, it wasn't even the same. I mean, they had divested in their offense because they got so hyper invested in the defense. And I think he corrected that. Um, you're right. If he's going to coach again, it's going to be in a market like Jacksonville. Looks like Coughlin might be re- returned to the scene of the crime. If I'm Jacksonville, mm-hmm. Coughlin the kind of coach I would probably take now a more mature Coughlin, right, in life, um, knowing how to balance Super Bowl winning. Uh, I think he would be really good down there in Jacksonville. On the flip side of the beef conversation, we have, I don't know what's up with Terry Bradshaw. You know, I'm a Steelers fan, love a Steelers fan, love it with Bradshaw. But these shots at Tomlin were just ridiculous. And so, mm-hmm. for those of you who didn't really have a chance to hear, you know, Terry Bradshaw was doing an interview, and um, conversation came up about Mike Tomlin, and he basically said, I don't know what he does. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't see what he does. I, whenever I think of great coaches, I don't think of him. Um, basically said that he's more like a cheerleader. And, you know, you know, really disparaging remarks for somebody who is, you know, I, I went back and looked at, um, like, even all-time, like, records and percentages. And Tomlin, you know, you think about his playoff victories, you think about his record, stacks up against uh, however you want to rank the, the top quarterbacks, I mean, top uh, coaches, um, he ranks well. The only person in this current era that's, uh, that's probably ahead of him is Belichick in a lot of different ways. So, you know, when you talk about Andy Reid and folks like this or Mike McCarthy, uh, Tomlin's record stands up against them as better than them in, in many respects. What's your, resp- what's your you. reaction to the, to- to the comments? I see, I, you know what? I, I, I got to be careful when, yeah. I, when, when, you, when, you, when you hear stuff like that because you don't yeah. want to auto- automatically play the race card. But when yeah. you look at Mike Tomlin's record, compare it to Bill Cowher, okay? Compare his yeah. first four years uh, with the Steelers to Chuck Knowles. 
all right, before the Super Bowl, before the Super Bowl years, okay, and then afterwards when all those Hall of Famers retired. Okay, the man's a good coach, okay. The Steelers are a team. They are a playoff contender every year. They've got a handful of players that you could deem as superstars, but the rest of that team is just blood and guts and just will come and bust you in the mouth. They always say that a team takes on the personality of their coach. Well, you know that the Pittsburgh Steelers are a very tough team. Everybody knows they're not a soft team, and you're in for a dogfight when you got to play that team. And, again, that team is a perennial playoff contending team, uh, a Super Bowl contending team, and, you know, it's an insult. That's why I say i got to be careful. I don't know what Terry Bradshaw is coming on this, but it's an insult when you see a team that is good every year. Now, see, he's, he's a difference from what we started the show talking about, these coaches that don't ever win but keep their jobs. Here's a coach that wins on a consistent basis, okay? And you can, you can point to the years when they didn't win to significant injuries to key players. But yet and still, they're always in the hunt in that division every year. That's an insult to that coach. It's unprofessional, as Mike Tomlin said. And, you know, Terry Bradshaw should offer an apology. You know, when you when the, the facts doesn't don't add up, but I guess in this world the facts don't have to add up as long as you get pressed. But that's yeah. an insult to that coach. He's one of the best coaches in the NFL. Go check out the numbers, all right, bar none. To call him a rah-rah coach and he's not very good, I mean, really? I mean, you just you just made an ass out of yourself with that statement, and I mean that because that, that, you know, I'm not a big Pittsburgh Steeler fan, but I respect what Mike Tomlin has done with that team. Okay, I respect yeah, I, what he's done with the team and, and the yeah. fact that that team and the passion for that team is so strong and they know every year what that expectation is. And for anybody to come out there and say something like, like that, especially when he he's with the Steeler Nation, you know, and see that that team is doing well, that's an insult. And and, and it was a very ignorant statement to make. And you got you to talk about he did this transitioning out the bus, transitioning a Palomalo. So you're changing – the, the structure, the leadership of your team, and he's only he's only had two eight and eight seasons. Everything else is above that. He's had he's exactly. had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons with uh, ten or more wins. I mean, I mean, you can't even. It's like, what are you talking about? It's like, like you said, like you speak without facts. And what people fail to realize, there's a couple of good things about leadership is. Uh, Hiring your team and maintaining your team. How do you get people through transition? He had that. He had that crazy period with Ben. Where Ben had some personal stuff going on, offensive yep. transitioning out. Um, he had to find coaches. He he set a tone, the way they approach, the excellence. You know, being a great head coach. I mean, I think Belichick is is an example of this. What Belichick does, he's probably always done. People give him so much credit, but a lot of things that he does is he's invested a lot in his assistant coaches. If you look at Belichick and his philosophy, he he really focuses on teaching. A lot of it is he delegating a lot of stuff. He's working on strategy, but and, and same thing with Saban. They invest so much in the because they understand the, the importance of the position coach. So all of that, when you look at how you organize your team as well as lead it, Tomlin coming in at 35 years old, he's only 44 now. 
He got 150. Hey. He got 100, 102 wins and 57 losses. But if that was somebody else, if that was Andy Reid, people would be talking about he's one of the greatest of all time. If that was Mike McCarthy, they're talking about hey. he's one of the greatest of all time. So it's it, 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 and it, it, it's crazy that 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 folks are allowed to just get the mic like that. But then 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 Tom would just eviscerate him. <laughs> What do you hit him with? What do you hit him with? Uh, you know, what do I know? I grew up with Dallas Cowboys, and specifically a Hollywood Henderson fan. I said, oh, you see? Shots fired. <laughs> 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 Tom was hitting with some subtle jabs. That was like a, that was like a Drake-like jab. On him. <laughs> see? See? <laughs> see, that's what that's what that's what that. That, that, that's what that that's what that uh that 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 that, that, that Ivy League like education will get for you. I think when you with William and Mary, that's what that'll get you. Mm-hmm. Get you. You start messing with him. He, he, he takes some shots on you. You know, don't, and then he just looked. He just kind of stopped and looked at the camera. I said, "Oh man, go get him, man. Go get him." You know what? He's a he's a very humble guy off that field, and I got again, yeah. I got a lot of respect for him. And if you if you get a chance, there's an ESPN did a spot on Mike Tomlin. And his humble beginnings, you know. Yes. I mean, you, when you look at him, you would think he would be some sort of cocky sob that you should be concerned with. But he is a very humble, very smart guy. And like mm-hmm. I said before, I got—I'm not a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan, but I got a lot of respect for that organization. I got a heck of a lot of respect for that coach. And if any, for any reason, if you to to, to like the Pittsburgh Steelers, it is because of their head coach. Well, hey, we just get hot here. You, you, you're listening to One Mike with Devon and Hank. Coming up later on in the show, the Hanky. So the, we releasing it, y'all. Yeah, it's been, it's been you've been waiting for it. You knew Hank was gonna have it. We we go we gonna we gonna release it. Drop drop a little for you, but we're gonna take a little musical break here. Take a breather. When we come back, we're gonna make some bold picks.
gold chains, Himalayan Birkin, cocaine, lit it up, pop, I hit him up, I'm talking color money, purple yin and blue germ, I got brown lira, I ain't talking about raw I'm that nigga on Viagra, that means I'm on the way up, and you can stay up, P.O. say I can't get high, hop in the helicopter, Uber said, go on the way up. Alright, welcome back to One Mic uh, with Devon and Hank. Um, it's uh, been an incredible, incredible, incredible first start to our uh, end of the year 2016 show. I want to remind you that uh, all hosts and callers are brought to you by Carbon Rail Health, your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to CarbonWorldHealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about Lifestyle, medicine, tells it with the real sports guys sent you. We're back. Uh, again, this is our 2017 headline show, our 2016 and review show. We are, we are, we, you know, we, we, we just dipped our toe in. We spent the first segment hitting you with the, you know, what's beef. We have a chance to look. You can always catch us on uh, iTunes. You can catch us on, on, on Stitcher. You got the podcast stuff and you want to just plug in, um, give us a review, help us build the show. We love it to get that great feedback from our, our listeners. Uh, we're going to keep it going. We take it to another level on 217. So we got the bowl stuff coming on, man. We got bowl games. We got a lot of stuff coming up. And I, so I want to hear there's just a couple of bowl games uh, with you, Hank, um, to kind of get your sense of them. I know we had a long list down here, but I'm probably going to just uh, – pick a couple here and then um, uh, get into our um, um, our picks for the, the, the semifinals and the final four. Um, so let me start with, um, since we got kind of this Big Ten feel and SEC kind of thing going on, we got Nebraska, uh, we got Tennessee uh, uh, playing uh, in the uh, Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. Um, down there in Nashville, um, who do you who do you have in that game between Tennessee and Nebraska? Tennessee was really the darling pick early in the season. People thought that they had a good chance of getting in that Final Four. They had some hiccups down the stretch. Um, they got Josh Hobbs at the uh, 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 at the Josh Dobbs at the quarterback position um, that um, you know hasn't quite realized. I think his potential in the senior year has a lot of skill um, uh, in there. And then you got Nebraska, and, uh, and uh, they kind of been slowly putting their program together, but they've had some hiccups uh, along the way, um, trying to get back to their their form as a national power. So, who are you looking at for this uh, for this game? Well, let, let me let me explain my picks this way. When I look at these teams now, I, you you kind of got to throw the a regular season out the window, all right? Because with the whole uh, playoff thing, a lot of these teams now come down to these bowl games, and it's just another game, and they look at it as an exhibition, while other teams and their coaching staffs look at them as opportunities to build their program. With that being mm-hmm. said, 
Um, I'm looking at a game that's being played in Tennessee, in Tennessee's backyard. I don't anticipate them really showing up. You know, I think even on the biggest stage we saw Tennessee kind of flounder. I think Nebraska comes Mm. in here, and I think that they they come here motivated, trying to build this program because I think they they got a chance for next season in that Big Ten West. And I think they put a stomping on Tennessee. I think Tennessee sleepwalks through this game, and I think Nebraska wins this one by at least 10 points. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. I mean, I think one thing that, um, I mean, Nebraska, um, they can get around on you. Um, And uh, when they put good games together uh, this year, um, they they can really um, make you pay uh, a little bit. And you're right. You know, one thing about the bowl thing, like you said about, Different teams, the players look at it differently. Like when you go in a bowl game, a lot of times in your mind, you think about yourself getting on a plane, right? You're gonna go mm-hmm. to a warm place. You're gonna get all those good baggies that they, you know, they give you the, you know, the backpack and get all that stuff. But when it's like you gotta get on the bus and ride to a town that you probably have been to a couple times and hung exactly. out like that year, you know, it, it, that that kind of throws you off a little bit. Um, and these are young folks that ain't really like I'm leaving home. So you're right. You don't know what people are thinking about in their mind. Um, and Tennessee has been finicky. I mean, uh, some games have been, like, out of this world. And it tells me that they they haven't quite yet built all the leadership components in their team to keep everybody focused. Um, you know, I think Josh is an incredible young man. He, this is a guy that is going to be the CEO of somebody's company. Um, he might be a presidential candidate. I mean, he's that, he's that smart, that bright, you know, engineering student. Um, but it seems like they're still trying to build their identity as a program. Um, and I think Nebraska is probably in the second, third year of that process where I think they're really trying to get back to what they're going. And you know, anytime you get on that plane and travel somebody, it's like a business trip, you're right. I, I got Nebraska um, uh, uh, winning this one uh, uh, down there uh, in Nashville. Some good food down there too, so uh, do your thing. I hear you. <laughs> and and tonight, I'm already getting the calls from folks down there in Miami, Hard Rock <laughs> City, Miami Gardens, Florida. It's already going on. We got Pitbull going to be playing tomorrow night. His party going to be tomorrow night. Everybody's in Miami right now for this one. And and you know, as your boy would say, nobody's got it better than us. Nobody. Now, I don't even mm-hmm. have to ask you. Who you think gonna win? <laughs> you know, see, this we gotta be because uh, this is gonna be a good game. You got Florida yeah. State, you got Cook, you got Michigan, you got two teams who really believe they they were headed towards this championship run. Let's approach this differently. What are the keys to rather than who's going? What's the keys to victory for both teams, Michigan and okay, Florida State? When I look at this game, all right, I'm looking at. Two teams that are trending upward, but I look at a Michigan team that's got all of these seniors, all of this, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh has said that they were responsible for the resurgence and the rebirth of Michigan football. How does these young men want to go out? Uh, Mm. I don't think they were very happy with their overall performance against Ohio State, and they got something to prove. Now, I take nothing away from Jimbo Fisher. And uh, and Dalvin Cook, but if that game gets a little bit lopsided, I'm looking for Florida State to fold up the tents, okay? Because again, 
I know they talk a good game, but you look at Florida State's bowl record in the last couple of years, all right? Two years ago, they had a chance to play for the national championship game and didn't show up. And last year, they didn't show up either. All right, they got a freshman quarterback. Now, again, it's it's a good game on paper, all right? And I think that the motivation is the whole Jim Harbaugh factor. But those kids don't care about Jim Harbaugh, okay? Otherwise, they'd have come to Michigan. So my my feeling here is that I think that for maybe a half, it's going to be a very good game. If Michigan allows uh, Florida State to stay in it, then it's going to be a full-quarter game. But if this game gets out of hand anywhere, okay, then I think it's, I think it's going to be a runaway. Okay, now, 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 now that's the way I look at it. I think the keys are those seniors, and I know Jimmy's going to have those seniors motivated to finish strong, okay? And you have to ask yourself for Florida State again, three losses, what have they got to prove? Even though Jimbo Fisher's going to try to get, get them ready, this is not where they want to be, all right? So it's going to be interesting to see. They're a young team. They, will they get frustrated easy? They're at home, okay? Tallahassee, is, 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 it's it's – it's not uh, – they probably flew, but they could have took the bus. But my point is, again, the motivation factor and what happens in this game early. And and and, and if, if, if this game gets out of hand early, it's going to get ugly. So, yeah, it, well, I look at it as yeah, uh, they have to establish uh, 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 Cook um, in the running game and to give Fuqua a little bit more – I guess um, a little bit more of a – um, uh, opportunity in the passing game. Um, you know, their defense um, has to show up um, it, for them to really, uh, you know, put some pressure on Michigan. Um, and they got the skill players to do it. You know, a lot of it, they're, they're relying on a young quarterback. Um, you know, Michigan and, uh, and with Brown and that deep support leader, uh, you know, they have the ability to really make young quarterbacks pay, which, you know, if you look at the younger quarterbacks they played against this year, um, they they really put the pressure on them. Um, and so, and they'll come after them. Um, and then Michigan's got to run the football effectively. Um, right. And I think that, you know, where uh, Wilton State, um, in what I call quarterback games, hasn't come up big. Iowa was a quarterback game. Ohio State game was a quarterback game where he's got to make one or two plays. What I do – and this is where I think when you look at these bowl games, people have to – the way that they work these, 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 this period is they spend a lot of time working with their young people in the first couple of weeks. So coaches will be traveling, and this is an opportunity for them to work with their freshman, freshman, their freshman. Like people will get a lot of time. It's almost like a preseason where they're doing a lot of that before they even put the game plan in. And I think this is where hardball really gets good. Uh, this is where I think people like Urban Meyer – and these coaches separate themselves, is that while they're preparing for a bowl game, they're also building for the next season. They're getting people right. time, minutes. They're doing instruction. They're they're working on things and building depth. Um, and I also think that this is where quarterback play will continue to grow for them in Michigan, that I think Harbaugh will really – you're going to see some growth in this period in a way that um, uh, you don't see in a lot of teams. This is where it separates, like, your really good assistant coaches and things like this, and I think – this is where Harbaugh is probably at his best. This is where his teaching and all that stuff is going to come in. You know, is Jimbo doing that? Is he managing egos of folks who are, who are ready to go to the league? Um, 
you know, you got some of these kids who didn't play. David Cook, you know, thinking more about his injuries. So it's going to be, but it's going to be a good game. I got a feeling that it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. I don't know if it's going to be a blowout. I just don't. I, I think that both these coaches going to have these players motivated. Um, but I think it's going to come down. I think if they pull away, it'll be sometime early fourth quarter. Uh, but it'll be a, a really good game uh, going on. It sounds like we both going to take Michigan. We got to put an asterisk by a little homer for us. We got LSU <laughs> and we got Louisville. We got mm-hmm. we got. Uh, we got one team that benefited from the, our, our, our information being shared by another team, and then we got a down-home country coach who finally got his love fest job. LSU Louisville, we got the Heisman Trophy candidate coming off his Heisman Trophy uh, run, you know, uh, and now he's coming in, he's facing against this Tiger defense. Um, who, who do you got there in the Buffalo Wings? Citrus Bowl, man, they, that pregame meal must have been at Buffalo Wings was Buffalo Wild Wings was a uh, sponsor. That that pregame meal must have been off the chain. You know it was. <laughs> Boy, you know it was. Probably not so much for the kids at LSU because they want that Cajun food. They're probably eating that hot stuff. But I'm gonna tell you, this game ain't gonna be close. Okay, mm. this game is not going to be close. LSU is going to put a foot in 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 Louisville's backside. And let me tell you why. They got their coach, okay? This is Ed Orgeron. This, he, you know what? He's been begging for somebody to hire him. Uh, USC messed up, okay? Yep. LSU didn't make a mistake. This man, his first bowl game, you kidding me? And then you just yep. watched the way uh, LSU slept walk through the last few, the last few games of the, of the regular season. This team ain't motivated, okay? Um, Amar Jackson, he's, that's it. So goes Lamar Jackson, so goes that offense, all right? Oh, by the way, LSU has got one of the top defenses in the nation, all right? Yeah. And him running around don't mean nothing to them, okay? Because you got cats on that defensive uh, side that can run just like him, all right? Yeah. So this game is not going to be close. And then Orgeron has figured out a way to generate some offense, okay? But we, we've seen that that uh, LSU's defense, I mean, I'm sorry, Louisville's defense has disappeared sometimes, and especially in the last few games of the year. Now, yeah. they can game plan all they want to, but they're going to, but Petrino's going to try to showcase the Heisman Trophy winner, and that boy's going to get hurt. This game is going to be a blowout. It's going to be a blowout early. I think LSU rolls in this one. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a game that's coming up here uh, in a little bit, uh, and, um I'm uh, uh, I'm with LSU. I think you know their defense has been incredible down the stretch. And mm-hmm. you know, one thing you can't do is outrun them. Um, I think having the pressure of the coaching search off their back, having a few weeks again to build for next year and train for this one, I think you're going to be seeing the beginning of uh, a really strong 2012 LSU team building its identity. Um, I think in some ways, um, Leonard Fournette not playing is actually good for their team because they can immediately transition. You know, you know that you know their kind of team is still loaded at running back, and so now yeah. you're trying to you're already going to see the next Leonard Fournette is already going to have an opportunity to showcase before next year. So they're going to be hyped. This is an opportunity to get preseason, you know, uh, award consideration for some of these young folks. Um, so there's a lot of motivation, and I, I think in fact. Not having Fournette there is going to allow them to be much more complete in terms of their uh, approach on offense. 
gave him all this time to prepare without him um, is, uh, I think, going to be a benefit to LSU. I think you're going to see um, the kind of LSU team that everybody has been waiting uh, waiting to see. So I'm with you on that. We got on January uh, 2nd, we got uh, Florida against Iowa. Um, this is an interesting game, man. Um, you know, you got two – you got two – um, you, you, you got Ferens and you got McElvain. You got two coaches who are constantly in this weird spot. The teams play pretty solid. Florida has a dynamic defense, probably some of the best teams in the back in terms of the country, in terms of a defense. Iowa is Iowa's just always solid. You know, you know, in some ways, you know, I like to call Ferens is like, uh, Ferens is like, you know, 9-4. Uh, <laughs> no, it's 7-4. You know, he goes – He's always going to win enough games to keep it, and every once in a while you get 11 wins. Uh, but both these teams are going to be – it's going to be interesting. Um, um, and the Big Ten team, uh, a number of times in the Outback Bowl, has really fared well. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go – I'm going to go with Iowa. And the reason why I'm going with Iowa is that I think Iowa's um, – Iowa's defense is not where Florida's defense is, but Florida's offense isn't something I'm scared about. But Iowa has a strong enough offense. I think they can move. It's going to be low scoring, my feeling, you know, uh, but I think Iowa will – this will be one of those games that Raymond James that will, you know, end in a field goal. Um, It's going to be that kind of – but it's going to be hard hitting. It's going to be a really good – for people who love football, it's going to be a good game to watch. This game – is going to be the snooze bowl. Okay? <laughs> this is the game, if you didn't sleep at all for New Year's, going into New Year's, the second day of New Year's, but you've been watching football all day long and you just can't sleep, turn this game on. You'll get you a nice three-hour rest. Okay? This game is going to be like a Rockets line. One, two, three, kick. One, two, three, kick. Just look, this game might go into overtime at 0-0, all right? There's nothing dynamic about neither one of these teams' offenses. They both got decent defenses, okay? And if Iowa is in a game and they're motivated, you may not score on them. And same thing with Florida. The one thing about Florida, I will say, and with McElwain being coached, again, can this team be motivated at home playing in Florida again against another Big Ten team, okay, in Florida? If they're a motivated team, then you don't have nothing to watch, all right? It's like you said, it's going to come down to a field goal in overtime, okay? The game might be 3-2. to two. It's, I'm, I'm just, I don't I – don't, you're right, it's going to be extremely low scoring. You're not going to see a whole lot of drives, I don't, I don't anticipate. I think that in a game that's that close, yeah, I'm going to give Iowa the edge uh, because I have not seen anything from Florida's offense to say that, yeah, they're going to be able to put points up on that team, and they're both going to be hitting really hard. So, yeah, it's a toss-up, but being from Big Ten country, I will say I'll take Iowa 9-6. to six. <laughs> All right. And so we're going to take two more uh, ball games before we get to the, to the, uh, the final four. One, I have to do this because as a Western uh, Michigan alum, uh, I want you to weigh in on this. And then, I, you know, I got the Wisconsin piece on here, and I, I don't know we we didn't put anything on it. Uh, they're down in the Cotton Bowl. Tickets are going for $5. You can still get in. 
but I think it's going to be a good game. Um, Wisconsin is, you know, one of the top defenses in the country. Um, you know, the question is, are they going to get the quarterback play if they need to move it uh, on, on, on uh, Western Michigan? Western Michigan got explosive uh, players uh, on their squad. Uh, they're looking to prove something. They've been asking for this kind of, you know, opportunity uh, to be in this ball game, so they'd be excited. Um, down in Dallas, in Jerry's house, who you got? Okay. So let, let, let me try to break this game down as analytically as I can and as unbiased as I can. So we know that with, with Wisconsin, you've got that amazing defense, and then you've got that real that killer running game. Okay, Western Michigan is going to have to be able to stop Wisconsin's run game. They're going to have to be able to stop the run game. When I watched the MAC championship game, I was very concerned about. And, and I don't know if the team was motivated or tight or whatever, but uh, they were able to move the ball on Western Michigan's uh, defense. That concerns me. Secondly, you know, I, you, you take nothing away from Wisconsin's defense, one of the top defenses in the nation. However, we saw Penn State hang some points on that defense. All right? So what this is going to come down to is Wisconsin's defense against uh, Western Michigan's offense and Corey Davis, one of the most underrated wide receiver prospects in the nation. This boy is bad. I've watched him play. Yeah. He amazing. Plus his name is kind of neat too, Davis. But I digress. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, okay. So now you want me to make a pick, okay? I think that if this is a close one down the stretch and Western has the ball. They're going to pull the upset. They're going to be sky high. They're going to be sky high, all right? Uh, my heart won't let me pick against the Broncos, so row the boat. <laughs> and, and, and you know my heart can't let me pick you really fucky. Uh, you know, one thing, I think you, you, everything you said is right on, and I think um, uh, what Wisconsin's ability to – at times, pass on first down. Um, uh, you know, get get the ball to you know either PV on the jet sweep or or get him out in space um, to kind of keep Western Michigan honest and then allowing them to run the football will be important. And then another thing is, can Wisconsin defense um, get some turnovers? They're really good in terms of getting turnovers. And so um, if if they can you know, lock down Davis. Um, they got great cornerbacks. They got great defense. Um, and take that as a challenge and take that option away. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a good game. I think the reason why it's going to be close is because Wisconsin's passing game hasn't matured. Now, the question is, again, you know, what they've been able to do here over the break to, to build on that, to get better in that area, will be, um, will be the key. Um, because I think they've allowed teams to stay in because of their inability. I mean, Ohio State game they lost because they just couldn't pass to get enough to get first downs, like to keep them honest, enough balance. And so um, if they're able to improve on some of that in this in this, this, this interim period where you can really work on those things, that makes it really tough for, for Western. Because if, if, if they're able to get the ball to, to Jazz, PV, and folks in space where they can run, now you can't put as many people in the box. They're going to run on you. So it's going to be interesting – both well-coached teams, um, a great opportunity for Western Michigan to kind of put itself on the national scene. Um, it's going to be a barn burn. Um, mm-hmm. 
So then we're going to go to the Rose Bowl, presented by Northwestern Mutual, <laughs> USC and Penn State. Everybody's been tooting that USC horn. Penn State was like, we want it. We want ours. We want our recognition. Now, Big Ten teams have traveled out west, got a piece of that Hollywood life out there eating, and they get to that game and get hoodwinked. Took against Penn State, man, but I, I feel like USC, the Trojans, they're going to be playing that fight. They're the one team. Like, when you talk about playing in their own backyard, they're the one team who plays well in their own backyard. Anytime they're playing out there near Southern California, Snoop Dogg on the sidelines. And I like Penn State. I think they can do it, man. But USC seems to always put it on, put on a Big Ten team out there. What say you? You know what? I I I would I would I agree with that. But I will tell you what I have seen from this Penn State team. Um, you know the 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 win against Ohio State wasn't a fluke. That James Franklin has finally put his mark on this team. Okay, and it's taken him a while. He's had to kind of mm-hmm. go through some stuff. I think that the, the national writers missed the boat, and I think because of the stink that's still on this Penn State program with the whole Jerry yeah. Sandusky thing, James Franklin did an amazing job this year. He did an amazing job this year. For him to keep that team together, after all of that, con- they were, they, he, after the Michigan game, they was ready to, to, to throw him out of Pennsylvania, okay, much less College Station, the whole state. He was a mistake. <laughs> they were talking about who was going to be their next coach. He turned around. Not only did he beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten championship, I mean dominating a Wisconsin team that, you know, they were, they were blowing the doors off, Wisconsin was. And they came all the way back, won that game, okay. He should have been the national coach of the year. But, again, I think there's such a stigma on the Penn State program. Now, with that being said, okay, uh, uh, Saquon Barkley is one of the baddest backs you will ever see. He should be one of the Heisman candidates going into next year. That boy is – keep an eye on him, all right? He is one of the baddest running backs you will ever see. Trace McSorley was able to do what he was going to do because you had to account for Saquon Barkley. Okay, mm-hmm. he is amazing. With that being said, I don't look here. Their defense has played the best this year. All right, they played Michigan, they played Ohio State, they played Wisconsin. Okay, in those games, they're two and one. They're two and one, and they're playing their best football when it counts the most. I think again, a fired up with a Penn State team with a fiery coach. Okay, I think that they're going to be ready to play. I think they upset USC. At the Rose Bowl, I'm taking I'm taking Penn State. I, I'm taking Penn State. I think the fact that they won the Big Ten championship uh, got something to prove. I think that that's one team that they're going to be very entertaining to watch. It's going to be a very entertaining game. I think they pull it off though. Yeah, and, and I and I think that uh, I, mean, I mean one of the things that that I, I think you uh, you know talked about is that I think Franklin is again. Um, uh, Created an identity and reestablished an identity for that program, in some ways uh, played a role in kind of really pushing them back past a lot of that stuff that's kind of been um, keeping them in in uh, in you know um, off the national scene because of all the other stuff. 
you know, I think he's he's been able to the way he leads, the way he represents himself. He's clearly helped to take them past, um, you know, that sense you said that's on the program. Um, and you know, many of these kids, none of these kids had anything to do with it. None of these coaches had anything to do with it. Um, I mean, the university hasn't helped with some of the things they've done this year to to bring it back up um, uh, there. But but he's kind of kept those kids focused. Um, and and really helped. And, and when you think about USC, I mean, I think USC has just been, you know, they kind of been slowly after taking it on the chin early against Alabama, they kind of been slowly kind of working themselves back in and uh, getting their defense and just you know switch their quarterback to to kind of uh, help to get that offense. You know, they got talent on that squad, and so um, it's a home. It's obviously a home field advantage. Uh, for them, but I, I think you do. I mean, I think you make some really good points about because they can uh, can do. Uh, you know, I, I think you know. I just think that Stoop Dog effect. You know, I think the Big Ten is going to be <laughs> on a positive side of uh, of wins for the bowl season, reflecting what they've done. But this might be one bowl game that um, either close or whatever is going to be. You know, it's like playing on their home field. It's going to be. They're going to be jacked. Um, you know, but if, if Penn State wins, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised. All right, so we're moving into this bowl series, playoff series. Let's start with Washington and Alabama playing in the Fiesta Bowl, the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. We got Urban Meyer. We got Dabo Sweeney. I call him the college football coach's line stepper, always stepping over lines with some of the comments he's saying. You got Clemson. You got you got Deshaun feels like he was he was sliding on the Heisman from what they say. That's what the word on the street is. You know, uh Ohio State, everybody said they cheated to get there. <laughs> but they got something to prove, right? They're coming out of that Michigan game. You know, people are like, Where's the offense? I think this could be a good game, man. Um I think Urban gets I think Urban gets him, I think Ohio State gets Clemson. Um, because they're so young, again, you're talking about coaches that do a lot with this, this break time, and I think Urban knows how to get how to improve a team dramatically in periods like this and grow them. I think their offense is going to be much better. If they win a national championship because this period right here that Urban used to to self-scout, to, to really think about how he can build some more explosiveness into the offense and really take advantage of J.P., um, yeah, I think Ohio State uh, gets Clemson. Well, I'm glad you think that. But as uh, Lee Corso says, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> I knew you were going to come I, back. I, 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 I got a few points to make. So anyway, look at I look at this Ohio State team, and yeah, they're very young. Uh, Michigan abused their offensive line. Absolutely abused them. Okay even though no holding penalties was called against that offensive line, but we won't go back into that. Uh, let's go back to the last time Ohio State was in the playoffs, okay? They I had a big don't six. don't have facts to back this up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't throw me off now. I'm on the roll. <laughs> hey, hey, don't throw me off now. I'm going to tell you, the last time they won, they had – they had they had the big quarterback in Cardell Jones. They had uh, 
the rookie of the year, in my opinion, of the NFL this year, Zeke Elliott, and maybe even the uh, MVP, okay, in that backfield. All right, the one thing that Cardell Jones could do that I don't have confidence that the JT Barrett can do is stretch the field. I don't, I don't have any confidence he can do that. And the fact was that they, they were effective that way because uh, Cardell was hard to bring down. Uh, he was an accurate deep passer. And, and Zeke Elliott had lanes to run, okay? And they had that defense, which was out of this world. Now, uh, with that, I don't, I, don't, I don't see that same dynamic this year with this Ohio State team, okay? I also saw that you can get JT Barrett rattled, plus if you hit him a few times, okay, which I think Clemson's going to be able to do. I still don't have enough confidence in that Ohio State offensive line. I've seen it. Okay, and I've seen what can happen to it. If you get you a solid uh, refereeing crew, that's going to – well, let me get back to what I want to talk about. Anyway, on the other side of the ball with Clemson, okay, you got a Heisman Trophy candidate. You also have a team and a coaching staff that tasted the playoff last year and walked off that field and thought they were the best team but did not win the championship. That goes a long way for them to get back this year. Okay, did they look good? Should they have lost a couple more games? Sure. But that being said, this is another veteran team, okay? Although they lost a lot of players, they still have their quarterback. They still have their offense, okay? They beat one of the most dynamic uh, players this year in, um, in Lamar Jackson. They've gone through it. And, and, oh, by the way, history is not on Ohio State's side when they play Clemson. So uh, I know Ohio State is a three-point favorite. But I'm taking Clemson to win this one because I wouldn't take Ohio State if they was playing ISIS. <laughs> his bias, his bias is coming out. My goodness. I'm trying to be – I was trying to be objective in this. I had those same feelings about Ohio State, but I had to be objective in this well, thing. And, and, and I will give you – Object to Ohio State. <laughs> Is we have the Chick Fil A. Uh, uh, we ain't let nobody into our restaurant uh, Peach Bowl uh, uh, against Washington and Alabama, um, where Washington plays Alabama. You know, Washington is the unknown in the sense that they're known, but um, people have thrown so much shade on the Pac-12 that I don't think people realize how good Washington is on both sides of the ball. And then they're up against Alabama. Now, one thing I said about Alabama, people, and it's funny, I heard a guy on uh, Paul Feinbaum's show say this. He's actually an Ohio State fan, but he was saying it in some crazy way that he really missed his point. The point I think is very important is that um, when you look at, um, when you look at Alabama's defensive backfield, uh, there's a place where you can, I believe get them is you can stretch them over the top. And if you've got a versatile, a versatile enough passing game, um, you can have balance against them. And I think Washington has it. But Washington has shown that they've been pretty physical on both sides of the ball. So it's going to be interesting whether or not, you know, the, the bull constrictor method of Alabama where they kind of squeeze you and make you play in this box where the pressure forces you to make a mistake. And, and um you can create things where you can actually play them in space a little bit. Um, but uh, I think, you know, if you're going to get Saban, this is where you, this is where 
you get saved. And you don't get saved on the next week. <laughs> you don't get saved. You kind of like getting him the first weekend of the NCAA playoffs, um, of the, the March Madness. You get somebody that first weekend. This is the time I think you're going to be able to, if, if you're going to get saved, and it's either you get him because you can throw enough uh, wrinkles into it. Um, but I think, you know, I think Alabama, I think this coin game is closer than people think. Um, but I think Alabama squeaks it out. I think it's like one of those, you know, 28, 21 type of games um, where it kind of still puts Washington back on the map that they're heading the right direction. Uh, but Alabama squeaks it out with some type of defensive touchdown. The thing that I get nervous about Alabama is that a lot of their wins have been depending on special teams and defensive touchdowns. And I know you can, but those things don't come every day. <laughs> like if you if you if you're dependent on defense and, and special teams touchdowns as a both part of your strategy, you know a lot of times it gets really good disciplined teams, and you get teams games like this where if people don't turn the ball over, then what do you do? So that's the part that worries me for them against Washington. But I think Alabama might squeak this one out. You know, if you can't go against Alabama, all right. You 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 don't have enough uh, holes that you see with that team to say, okay, uh, this is why Washington is going to beat them. However, when you look at the Washington team, okay, first of all, their coach Peterson, he, he he's the coach that came from Boise State. He is you're, you're going to see something you probably haven't seen all season from that Washington offense. All right, they have a very stout defense too. They got a very stout defense, and I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Alabama's offense. Okay, if you recall the LSU game, that was a, a one possession game basically. All right, LSU held that team. LSU just let out could not score. Well, Washington can score. So what you have to watch with this: if Washington can hold Alabama down offensively, they're going to score on that defense. They're going to score on Alabama's defense. They've got a lot of talent, but don't get but don't get it twisted. Uh, Peterson, their coach, is probably one of the most dynamic offensive minds of Washington's coach that you'll ever see. Go back to right. Boise State, Oklahoma, in the Orange Bowl. What, what bowl was that? I can't remember the bowl game, but it was a uh, it was a, a BCS bowl game. But they upset mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Okay, this he's got more talent than he had on that Boise State team. Okay, yeah. don't be surprised. I'm telling you right now, it's hard to pick against Alabama, but don't be surprised if this isn't the upset of the year. A close game in the fourth quarter obviously favors uh, Alabama. But if, for whatever reason, Washington has the lead going into the fourth quarter, I don't think they relinquish that. Don't be surprised. I'm telling you here first. Don't be surprised if 14-point underdog, Washington, upsets the mighty Nick Sabans of Alabama. And, and I'm going to play like this. I'm picking Washington to win this game. I'm going to say, because I, 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 Peterson is one of those big game coaches that honestly comes up in big games. Yeah, like, he does. He He's a big game coach that just, and he gets, I mean, he's used to getting an underdog team to believe they can go up against Goliath. Um, uh, and he's been telling them they have been disrespected all year, um, and they've been putting drummings on some people. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Washington. I switched it up. I talked you into it. See, I, look, I've been thinking that this whole time. 
I'm like, I've watched this team. See, I'm one of those college football geeks that watch uh, uh, Pac-12 after, after dark. You know, yes. I watch these teams, and this team uh, looks eerily similar to the 1991 team that that had the shared national championship when they had uh, uh, what's that? What's that? That one um, defensive lineman they had. Uh, yeah, eating uh, an element, something like. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, we know. Okay, okay. Y'all, y'all, y'all look it up. Anyway, <laughs> but my point is, they've got a solid defense, but they've got a very prolific offense. Okay, they mm-hmm. and they create turnovers on the, on the defensive side. We just watch the Pac-12 championship games. Watch what they did to Colorado. But uh, this team has what they they have what it takes. Okay, they're the most disrespected team of the four, okay? Everybody's saying Alabama, Clemson, uh, Ohio State. No, oh, yeah, and Washington. Watch out for this team, and don't be surprised if they don't pull this upset. I'm with you. I think I'm going to go with Washington. I think I've talked myself into it. I'm looking for that upset. All right, so then we got the national championship. I mean, if I got Washington against Ohio State, you got Washington against Clemson. Who you got? I promise you, the game Washington against Clemson is going to be an is going to be an entertaining game, and yeah. it's going to be a high scoring affair. Okay, I think that in this game, that Deshaun Watson makes the play that puts him over the top, and in a high scoring game, I think Clemson beats Washington something like thirty five, thirty one where they score a touchdown on the end and win and win the national championship. And this is where I say, okay, Washington against Ohio State, and because the national dialogue continues to try to bash, you know, Big Ten success, because Ohio State is usually the thorn that doesn't hold up the end of the deal, but the Big Ten will win a lot of these games, and then Ohio State will lose against Washington in the championship. And then people will question whether or not the Big Ten was the best conference. I already see it. So, <laughs> I, I, I take Peterson winning a championship, bringing Washington back on the map as a powerhouse in football. Uh, that would be how I would if I go this uh, go up this route. So we got Washington. I like your pick though. I, I like your pick. Huh? I just I don't have a I don't have that much confidence in Washington, but I like yeah. that pick. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is good. Well, we're gonna take a break and we'll come back for the historic unveiling of the Hanky. Welcome to One Back to One Mic with Devon and Hank. 
And right now, we're going to unveil the inaugural by Hanky. I'm going to give the floor to my, my booth mate, Hank Davis, who will lay out his awards for the year. And uh, this is certainly uh, going to be entertaining. Hank. All right. So listen. Now, before I start these, I'm gonna, I gotta give y'all. A, I gotta give y'all a little something. Okay, so y'all don't. So you don't think it's gonna be the same old award show, okay? Or that you that you've heard before, okay? Um, and Steve Entman, by the way, was the uh, defensive lineman from Washington that I was thinking about from 1991. Had to look that up for you. Don't like to leave you misinformed. But anyway, so let me explain something to you about the, about the hankies. All right. This isn't going to be your garden variety rookie of the year, most improved player, uh, player of the year crap. We don't do that with the hankies, okay? This has been a long sports year. There are some things that we need to recognize. You know, I, most of the time the hankies are more a team event because I'm a team player. I don't think that there's there's no I in team. So so there's a lot of team recognition that you'll see. Oh, there may be some individual awards, but understand that for you to, under, to, to, to see the fullness of this sports year, we have to recognize some things that sometimes fly under the radar or some things that we may have forgotten or, oh, yeah. So that's what the hankies are going to recognize, okay? I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time and bore you with all of the uh, uh, candidates, all the finalists. You don't care. They lost, Okay. You want to know who won the hanky, not who finished third, okay? So we're gonna we're not gonna bore you with who the who the uh, the uh, finalists are. I'm gonna tell you who won the award, and I'm gonna explain the categories to you before I reward the first annual hanky of 2016. So for this first go round, we have ten categories of the hankies, okay? All categories made up by the uh, hanky committee you know, comprised of Hank Davis and Associates. So uh, we want to make sure that you understand these categories before we award the hanky. So the first hanky uh, of 2016 is in the nationwide is on your side category. And this is the, this is the uh, person at the beginning of the year that we got sick of seeing but was glad to see leave, even though they left on a horse that – Maybe they shouldn't have got on, but that's debatable. So the nationwide is on your side category. Hanky goes to Peyton Manning, walking off into the sunset at the beginning of this year with the Denver Broncos, winning his Super Bowl in all of his glory on his back. The second hanky that's going to be awarded is in the category of the election is rigged, I won the popular vote category. Now, this category is about the team, and this is the team category, because this is where it was a done deal. Everybody thought this team was going to win. Everybody crowned this team champion before they played. They had all of their alumni. They had all of their dignitaries there. Everybody had the party going. And, oh, by the way, something happened. It didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen. And oops, when the last seconds of the game, you were second place. And that award goes to 
the North Carolina Tar Heel basketball team. And if you recall that time, they had team television stations. I happened to be watching the North Carolina station, not even realizing it. Okay, there was Jordan. There was James Worthy. Worthy. There was Brad Doherty. They're all just skinning and grinning until Villanova hit that last shot. And oops. But we were supposed to win. We had the popular vote. Well, it didn't win. So the second hanky of 2016 goes to the North Carolina Tar Heels. Make sure you win the game before you start the party. The third hanky goes into is in the stay in your lane category, and this goes to Mr. Tim Tebow. Okay, Mr. Tebow is now trying to play baseball. All right, now he was doing very well as an SCC commentator. And, you know, he actually won a playoff game as an NFL quarterback. But that didn't work out. So now he's trying to play baseball. Timmy, Timmy boy, okay, take off the luster. Go back to where you're good at. Stay in your lane. So, but, in a, in a, but still, congratulations on your hanky. Our fourth hanky of the year is in the category of down, is in the down goes Frazier Category Now, you know, when you got sports, you always get fights and you always get brawls. You always get things. But this particular one deserves a hanky. And the down goes Frazier category. This goes to uh, Ronan Odor. Now, you may not know who Ronan Odor is. Ronan Odor is the second baseman for the Texas Rangers. Okay? In a game in early May, there was a game between them and the Toronto Blue Jays in which there was a brawl that ensued. Ronan Odor hit uh, the Toronto Blue Jay right fielder Jose Bautista with a shot that rocked the nation, that brought memes throughout the nation. You need to look it up. Ronan Odor, his first name is spelled R-O-U-G-N-E-D, last name Odor, like stank, and that punch he hit uh, Bautista did with, with did stank, knocked him cold. You got to see that, turn his face inside out. So for the in the down goes Frazier category, uh, Ronan Odor, you get the hanky. Now, our fifth category is in is is, is at the meatloaf two out of three ain't bad category. If y'all know who meatloaf is, he was a, a rocker from back in the day. He made a song, and the the tagline to his verse was two out of three ain't bad. So anyway, the two out of three ain't bad category goes to our lovely brothers and sisters in the city of Cleveland, okay? You had an amazing sports year. You need to be recognized, not any one individual, but, your, but, but you had your Believe Land uh, documentary, your beloved Cavs and LeBron James brought you home a championship, your beloved Cleveland Indians went to the World Series, went seven games for you. It was just a lovely, lovely sports season, and then the Browns had to play. And if it wasn't for last week, they blew my thunder. If it wasn't for a last-second field goal, they were on their, on the verge of going 0-16. Well, now they'll be 1-15. It's not a lot to talk about, but look, two of your teams made it to the championship. So guess what? Two out of three ain't bad, and that gets you the hanky. So way to go. Number six, speaking of the Cleveland Cavaliers and winning the championship, this brought out the sixth category of talking loud and saying nothing. 
the talking loud saying nothing category hanky goes to the Golden State Warriors, a team that won 73 ball games, a team that had the seventh game of the finals at home, a team that had a, a three games to one lead, okay, going home for a chance to win a championship and was talking loud and saying nothing. So at the end, it ended up being just a bunch of empty talk, empty smack, empty nothing. For talking loud, saying nothing, the Golden State Warriors of 2016, you get the hanky. Moving on to Category 7. Okay, this is in the fixing the plate but didn't bring nothing to the party category. Now, this is the team that was doing the job all year long. You thought you had them picked to win a championship. We've been talking about this, you know, uh, with with the with the final four of the college football, what this actually happened this year? We have with the fixing the plate, but then bring nothing to the party category. We got the Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers won 95 games in the, in in uh, this year. They had the best record in baseball in the American League, and then they got swept in the playoffs. The playoffs. They got swept in the playoffs by the Toronto Blue Jays, a team that had to sneak in. Well, into the wild card, got swept, lost the first two games at home. See, that's what happens when you're when you're when you're when you're uh, fixing a plate, but then bring nothing to the party. What happens is you get a hanky. Okay, we go to our next category, which is the uh, NFL color rush category. Now listen, since the NFL is bound and determined to have games on Thursdays with these uniforms, my God, then I guess you're just going to leave it to us who still have sight to see to try to gauge gauge these things. So since you're going to do that, NFL, I'm going to tell you that the hanky goes to the Seattle Seahawks for the most god-awful lime green uniforms I've ever seen in a game against the Rams. They could see them running around in space. All right? If you look at it, you know, it's like where's the football? You know, my eyes, my eyes. But if you're going to do this color rush stuff and you're going to have a lime green uniform on an NFL team, you're going to get the hanky. And, 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 and number nine, now this is a good hanky to have, okay? This is the in the welcome back Cotter category. We have teams that kind of gone away, hadn't heard from them, thought they had fallen into obscurity. And yet, lo and behold, here they are again. Welcome back to Dreams to Your Ticket Out. We want to welcome back the Oakland Raiders. We want to welcome back the Dallas Cowboys. Both of these teams, teams of lore, have come back to their former selves. Welcome back, Carter. And I would be remiss if I didn't say welcome back to the world champion Chicago Cubs. You all three Get the coveted hanky. Job well done for you and your fan bases. And the final hanky that's going to be given out in 2016, this is in the thanks for the memories category. And we've already talked about the many, many, many iconic individuals that we've lost here this year. But there were some that absolutely transformed uh, the nation in what they did, and if we did not take a moment to say thank you and give a very warm 
and loving hanky to Muhammad Ali, Arnold Palmer, Gordy Howe, just recently Lavelle Edwards, the BYU coach, and Pat Summit. Think about what those folks alone did is in the sports world and in society in general. Muhammad Ali, we had a show basically talking about him and all of his attributes. Arnold Palmer, Arnie's Army, where he transcended God. Gordy Howe, Mr. Hockey, Mr. Hockey, Lavelle Edwards, winning a national championship with BYU, their longstanding coach, the stadium named after, and Pat Summit, the longtime Tennessee women's basketball coach. You know, it actually helped put women's basketball on the map. They will all be very missed, but they will all be very loved, and they will be very well remembered. So while there's been a lot of fun in presenting the hankies, this is one that, you know, I say thanks for the memories. We love you. We're going to miss you. That's going to be the hankies for 2016. It was a lot of fun. Not to come. Wow, wow, wow. Hey, love it. Man, thank you for getting to work. That was the inaugural. If you didn't have a chance to hear all of them, um, please check us out on iTunes or you can be on Stitcher. Uh, you can subscribe to Real Sports Guys. Um, we'll probably put this one out and have its own separate podcast so people can get to it uh, easily. Thank you, did your thing, man. Love it. <laughs> you know, it's been a great 2006. You know, as we close out, what's one thing that you're hoping to see in 2017? Let's share that with our listeners um, that we hope and believe will happen, or one or two. I'll, I'll give you that floor. Um, we're going to go a little bit into OT, and so you'll be able to hear this on our podcast uh, drop. But uh, what, what, what are some things that you're looking for in 2017? Well, first and foremost, uh, on a very serious tip, I look for our nation to come together. You know, we can't do anything alone, as you heard me say in, in the hankies while I joke and jest. It is about teamwork. We all got to be on the same team. And and that's the one thing I hope that regardless of what happens in 2017, that we try to find a way as a nation to come together as a people, as a whole. So that's the one true thing, you know, regardless of anything else, sports and what we talk about is a distraction. But in reality, we need to come together as a people, and I do hope and I do pray that we that we take the next year uh, and and take out of this year all that loss, but try to gain more going into 2017. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think um, my hope is that um, that we uh, are all able to see the best in all of us um, and our ability to. Um, you know, uh, whether you're spiritual enough or not, you know, operate from the, the standpoint of love thy neighbor. And if you can, as you would love yourself, if you can, if you can frame it like that, then we can understand uh, how and, and how we need to operate to make this country a better place. Um, and the one thing I have for RSG uh, for 2017, you know, uh, we believe in the power of sports to be an avenue for changing the world. And in 2017, um, our platform is looking to put that on display. Um, you had a chance to see RSC live and, and get a sense of that. You know, we're hoping to take that experience to the next level in a way that could have not just a show, but can have an impact in the community. Um, and we're working on some things like that. But, you know, we want to do our little part in the space and the lane that we 
travel in um, to, to, to contribute to uh, this concept of loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, making an impact. And so that's what we looked at to happen in 2017. We believe it's going to be a great year for us. And we thank you for being part of this and being part of our experience and being along with the ride. And Hank, as, as usual, brother, until we see each other in person, man, got a lot of love for you, man. And uh, you have a blessed, blessed new year. And uh, I look forward to being again in 2017, brother. Same to you, brother. To you and your family, a very happy 2017. And, you know, for the RSG family, it's onward and it's upward, buddy. That's it, y'all. Till next time, we're out. Happy New Year. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.